Hey guys, just a quick note before we jump into this week's episode of InStride. InStride is brought to you by RideIQ. RideIQ is a mobile app with hundreds of on-demand listen-while-you-ride audio lessons taught by eventing, jumper, and dressage coaches. In other words, with RideIQ, you can take a lesson from an incredible coach during any ride you'd like. No hauling and no scheduling. Whether you're looking to add structure to your rides or try new exercises or build confidence, RideIQ can help. Membership is only $29.99 per month, and every membership automatically includes a two-week free trial. Try it for yourself today by downloading the RideIQ mobile app on iPhone or Android. On today's episode of In Stride, Sinead is talking to five-star event rider Heather Gillette. Heather grew up in New Jersey and started riding at age two when she got a pony named Holy Smokes. She rode Western until she was introduced to three-day eventing through Pony Club in second grade. Marilyn Payne, a world-renowned dressage judge and also the mom of Ride IQ coach Doug Payne, was her Pony Club instructor. Heather achieved her A certification in Pony Club and competed in Young Riders before going to college and then starting a corporate job. In the early 1990s, Heather met Pickle Road, a four-year-old off-the-track thoroughbred who ultimately inspired her to quit her job to start Heron's Landing Eventing Team in 1996. Heather and Pickle had great success through the three-star, now four-star level. She went on to compete at her debut five-star at the Rolex Kentucky three-day event in 2011 with a horse named Our Questionnaire or Questy. These days, you'll still find Heather competing at the upper levels, teaching, judging, and running Heron's Landing Eventing in New Jersey. She's also on the steering committee of Strides for Equality. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. I am really excited to welcome Heather Gillette to the show. Hi, Heather. Thank you for joining us. I know it's a real actual feat to find the time considering all the hats that you literally wear between riding at the five-star level, judging, being a TD, leading in the expedition for social justice, just small little things like that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) I just wanted to talk about your need to underachieve. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking when I decided to do all this nonsense again. So it sort of has just happened and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I now have 16 horses in the barn. So, so yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what I'm doing, but anyway, <laughs> this show is here to prove that no one does. <laughs> no, all right. Well, and excellent. I'm, I, I will contribute heartily. <laughs> well, tell us, tell us where you're coming to us from. Where, where are you sitting? Where are you living? What state are you in? Literally, am, the state. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm literally the state. Well, there's two states: the one of tiredness <laughs> and the one of New Jersey. So, yes, I am luckily home in my living room for a change, which is nice in New Jersey, right in the Long Valley area, sort of the Essex United States Equestrian Team home and hub of uh, stone houses and mountains and hills and all the good stuff that nobody thinks is in New Jersey. So that's fine. Cause we don't need any more people. So they can all just, <laughs> they can all just stay away. It's horrible here. It all looks like. The <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so anyway. Yeah, it is actually incredible. I think people fly into Newark and they think that's the rest of New Jersey. And, and I'm not going to lie. I was one of those people until I actually moved next door to you yeah. about a hundred years ago. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, what is this place? Because it's like a dream. I mean, it's yeah. so, it's so beautiful. No, I, I will say 
it took me a little bit to get used to being Southern. It took me a little bit to get used to the service industry. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. Are you ready yet? Come on. What do you want? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. It's a whole different, like, a whole different rate of speed. Things happen at down here. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not, I'm just not ready. A ham sandwich. I don't know. Did you ask for a sweet or an unsweet tea? They're like, what are you talking about? This is the tea you get and you'll like it. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, at least I'm a fast learner. And <laughs> the, the other thing I did enjoy that people always like ask about or confused about when they go to Jersey horse trials is the pumping of the gas. So yeah. You don't have to pump your own fuel, which is what, what is the story behind that? Uh, it's a bit of a legend. Some say that it's uh, to, to prevent theft. So people don't come and fill up and take off. I personally think it's because of the degree of speed that everybody's moving at and the stupidity when they're moving at speed that they take off with the, the pump still in the thing. And you see people driving down the road with the the hose hanging off or whatever. I mean, they do make breakaway ones now, but I think early on it was a thing. And I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's a little bit of civilization left in New Jersey. So yeah, yeah, it was great. I appreciate it. So yeah, it took me a very long time to be okay with it, especially if I had to wait, like if I had to wait for somebody to come pump my fuel. But yeah, then once I got used to it, I thought this is great. I can sit here and I can check my email. I can have a coffee, like all of that. And then you go anywhere else and you're thinking you're just waiting by the pump and no one comes. Yeah, I'm, I just love the fact that my hands don't smell like diesel every time I get out of the truck. You can no. that when you're you're five minutes down the road and you go to take a bite of something or a drink and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. diesel. And so yeah, you're like, I can handle it if it's manure, but not diesel. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's an entirely different thing. So totally and our fun. our favorite gas station here is little British guys that work at it. They're great. So they come and talk to you. They give cookies to the dogs. It's all fabulous and nice and a whole different means of conversation, I guess. I don't know. But the it, one it, in Long Valley. I think I know the one you're talking yeah, about. Yep. Yeah. 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 I re- actually had a, like had a funny experience there when we did team training up the road from there. And I remember Boyd wanted to go to the gas station and get a coffee and he could not, he was like, I mean, it, it, somebody should have recorded it as far as him, tra- him trying to communicate with those Irish guys that are so nice. Yeah. And then he was on some weird candy diet. I don't think that's a diet, but I mean, it was this. (laughs) And at the end of it, the Irish guys and Boyd are all dying laughing. Everybody's chatting some language I can't understand. And so I just left. I was like, I'll come and pick you up later. I don't even know. They they now have a, yeah, they have a good Dunkin' Donuts there. You can get get your air in your tires, your Dunkin' Donuts, your gas filled by somebody else and cookies for your dogs. It's a very, very much a full service place. You're going to have people live in there in a second. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about growing up in New Jersey. Tell us about your, your, was your family horsey or how did you get into the horses? My father was horsey. He grew up on a huge dairy farm that they actually used to work with horses when he was a kid in Holmesdale, Pennsylvania, which is sort of in the three points, Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey all kind of come in the same spot. He's, he was from there. My mom used to, when she was in high school, used to save whatever money she had and would go rent horses on the weekend or whatever. But my father was very much the, the horse person. And we got started with, actually, this is kind of a funny story. Um, the Standishes, Bob and Judy Standish, who Bob was in charge of the USET for a long time, were our neighbors when I was a kid. And they had, actually, it wasn't Bob yet, but it was, Judy was there. And they had a pony. She was getting a divorce. They needed to do something with this pony. So boom, we had a pony. Pony moved into the garage. So I was two years old 
he was about two and a half. And uh, that started it. It was kind of all downhill from there. Um, and then we got another pony that moved into the garage. And then somebody got a horse that like moved into a truck body in the backyard. It's all very, 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 yeah, interesting. I think this is like what two-year-old dreams are made of. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was I mean, it was great. So except uh, Smokey was not a very kind pony. He was he was a rotten pony who would be like, yeah, quarters up, going home, 800 miles per hour. I'll bring you if you can hang on. But that's totally up to you. And that like lasted until he was 25. I mean, he tortured so many children. It was crazy. But it sort of sorted the wheat from the chaff. He kind of really wanted to do it in order to put up with that nonsense. And he did it. He did it to people like he took Marilyn Payne for a ride because I used to ride with Marilyn when I was a kid. He took Peggy Hipple, who's a dressage judge and rider up here. For, for a ride a couple times. And uh, when I say a ride, I mean like, ding, back to the barn. I mean, they put wheelbarrows full of stones in the way. He jumped the stones. And anyway, <laughs> he, he would not be denied. So then when liability issues really came to the head, my father was like, okay, that's enough with giving lessons on Smokey. <laughs> so somebody's going to get sued. It's not going to be good. <laughs> Smokey's like, finally. Yeah, like, ta-da. It's taken 20 years, but I've finally beaten them all. So then we got involved. I grew up actually riding Western. And then when we moved from the little town of Green Village, where we lived in, to New Vernon, uh, we got started riding English and Pony Club. Uh, that was all very much how we how we grew up, what we did. And we got, like I said, my father was like the horse person. So We'd go to a couple horse shows and do the stand around the gate all day, wait, 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 finally get in. And then we went to like a pony club rally or an event or something and, and got times. We knew when we'd be home. We knew we were, boom, we were eventers. <laughs> that was it. Decision was made. We are eventers. You get times. I know when I'll be home. I'll know how long it's going to take. That's it. So. <laughs> safety is no issue. <laughs> yeah, safety, safety. What safety? I told you he was a farm boy, right? So yeah, <laughs> as long as nobody was losing fingers, we were all right. So <laughs> now, do you have siblings? I do. I have two younger sisters, Holly and Heidi. Heidi rode all the way through high school and into college. She evented as well. My sister Holly rode through high school, but made the strategic choice to spend more time with boys than with horses so and they were in our backyards i mean we have the horses live there that's what mm -hmm. it was we did their stalls every night we did homework we rode we used to hack to the local showgrounds to do our riding we didn't really have we had a big field out back that we could ride in because we were next to the municipal building but yeah we sort of did with what we had and then i was very fortunate like i said in with our pony club to have very good instruction part of being in a horse hub it was great. I mean, our our pony club was Marilyn Payne, Peggy Hipple, Somerset Hills had Sally Ike. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. it was yeah, we were really lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, had some really good instructors in pony club, and that's really how we got started. Mm. And did you did you go to university? I did. I went to Douglas College at Rutgers University and have an international economics degree with a French minor and an American studies minor and. Uh, yeah, don't use it for much. So really, did you speak French? I I was. It's been a long time, but yeah, I can go to France and get around. So yeah. So if the team needs anybody, let me know. I'll work on it. <laughs> I'm in. Like put me in, coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, France is lovely. So yeah, I briefly thought that I was going to. Actually, I fell in love with Belgium in high school. We went on a trip and thought, well, that's it. This is I'm going to go to university there, and this is where I'm going to live, and and have the corner office and all that nonsense. And then I have. 
found that I have a very low tolerance for BS. So I had a corporate job for like a hot second, probably two years and just, it just wasn't the thing. And I got started doing a couple other little odds and ends. My family had a deli. I was working and doing that and then ended up with a really awesome horse that I was like, all right, this is a pretty nice horse. I probably need to stop fooling around and focus on that. And so I started Heron's Landing and in 96. Pickle Road? That was Pickle Road. Yep. He tortured me for years. Tortured lots of people for years. He didn't just torture me. He tortured lots of people. But uh, yeah. I think that's my first memory of 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 knowing who you were it was was surrounded with that with that horse can you talk about that and how that happened because that was kind of how you ended up at the farm that you were at correct and with that right. with your owner and can you talk about that a bit sure i was <laughs> riding for other people at Marywin farm in pottersville and uh pottersville new jersey and with for ken and kathleen mcdermott well for kathleen primarily ken's very good and and let us have fun but it's Pickle came home from the racetrack and he was, this is before I was working for her. I was just coming in sort of freelance riding while I was in college. I think I was still in college at that point. No, I must've been out of college. Anyway, that's what happens when you get old at all fades away. But he was stuck in a, like a chain link round pen, a small one rehabbing or doing whatever. And the fellow who was the barn manager at the time. I don't remember what his last name was. His name was Charlie. He was from out West, told me he was. He was a rogue and vicious and to stay away from him. Dum, dum, <laughs> dum, I mean, complete with the villain music and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But uh, which just made me go, okay, right. <laughs> anyway, Let me in. Yeah, right. <laughs> Put me in. So he was not a rogue. He was not vicious. He was none of those things. What he was was mildly terrified. He'd been at the racetrack for a while and just had established some uh, defense mechanisms that made him look a little terrible. But uh, if you were patient and kind and had treats, <laughs> treats do wonders, he was fine. So mm-hmm. I ended up riding him for the people who owned him. Kathleen didn't own him at the time. He was owned by the Torcellaris who lived down the street that had racehorses that stayed at Merrywind and just sort of got on with them. They wanted to sell him. I showed him to a family friend for their kid and and the mother is, uh, Betty Sellers is was a, a good friend of mine. and a good horse person. And she turned and looked at me. She's like, you need to have this horse. So I literally scraped pennies together and uh, for like $2,600 bought him. Fortunately, because he wasn't particularly, he had tough feet. And like I said, he was, he, he was a little, he looked a Rough little around the edge. Yeah. Yeah. He just looked tough. And I will confess he ran, he ran, he too ran me back to the barn once or twice, but uh, yeah, he, he, he was a lot of fun and, and taught me a whole lot. And so I had him went, started my own business and did that. And he, when I was 29, 30, we had done the, I guess it was 98 Fair Hill. And he finished in the top 20 out of a huge big division at the fall advanced championships. And there was a line of people who kind of wanted him because he was, he was pretty cool. And I was, we were learning as we were going, the two of us. And uh, he was just brilliant. He jumped whatever got in the way, ran off often in between, but uh, was, was quite fancy, had some really good gates, uh, was a really good show jumper at advance. He was a horrible show jumper at Intermediate because they just didn't hmm. hold him. So it was like bowling. It was terrible. But I ended up, my my first marriage was sort of coming to an end and somebody made me 
an offer that I couldn't refuse. I never really actually had them for sale. Somebody called and, and made me an offer that is a 30 year old person with a barn and <clears throat> all that kind of stuff. We couldn't really turn down and they, they wanted him to kind of go to Sydney. The plan was to take him to Sydney and I, the horse was good enough and sort of wanted to be a rock star. So I wasn't going to be able to get it together to, to get him to the Olympics. So sold him to a program that, that I thought would So, but long story short, uh, he ended up coming back to me, not quite sound, not quite whatever. He had just sort of been, it just didn't work for whatever reason. And he came back in the barn and it was, I remember walking in after he shipped in, he shipped into Kathleen's farm to Marywind because she, she actually got him back, gave him a little smooch and um, the racehorse thing. And he turned around, came to the front of the stall. He's like, where the hell have you been? I've been making <laughs> ventures for two years. What the heck? So, so then we got back at it and that was kind of it. But so. Many life lessons were learned there. So, mm. Mm. Uh, That's so incredible that he ended up coming coming back. Like yeah. sometimes it's not always the script, right, that you want. But yeah. if when they kind of yeah. come back into your life, you 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 are gracious at least at that moment for that oh, for yeah. that time. Yep. Well, we went on and did and did a whole lot after that. So yeah, he did spend a lot of his allowance in trying to keep them together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's a small retirement money left. From him, but he did. He did. He did spend. I put a lot of it. I was really smart when I was thirty. I put a bunch of it in a place where I couldn't touch it till I was fifty-nine. So mm. almost now it's getting close. So <laughs> that must have been what you learned at school. That's what the rest of us should Wait. have learned to put something exactly. away. <laughs> yeah, try and you put it. So I know you touched on it, but could, could you talk about the decision a little bit? Because I'm sure, like at that point, and you had one opinion on it, and now you it probably like thought about it 15 different ways, but yeah. I run into this and I think you probably do too on, from every perspective, right? Like mm -hmm. you're, you have a horse and it's a great horse and you're trying to make a living or do something. And, and you, you just are like, do I, do I go for the dream or do I sell it and for the stability? Right. And then, and then on the other side, I've had a lot of students that'll say like often, particularly adult amateurs that are so hard on themselves. Like, oh, this horse could do so much more. I should sell him. I sh he should do so much more than what he's doing with me. And uh, he deserves more. And I'm like, no, he probably is way happier with you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it is. It's a, and I, and I say this somewhat routinely. It is a decision. That decision that I made was one that I am, I regret daily and appreciate daily because it, it is like my career, if I had kept the horse and done all that stuff with it, hadn't missed that gap in time, like the prime part of his, his career, maybe I'd have done cooler things, but maybe I wouldn't have. And then I wouldn't be, it, it definitely affected uh, where I ended up, how I got where I am. It has given me, oops, sorry, phone in the background, it has given me much greater appreciation for uh, the time that, that I have with the horses. I mean, you sort of, it, it's just, a, it's just a strange, it's a strange thing. I'm thankful for the bank account, the small mm -hmm. bank account, but, but just think of all the things we could have done too. I mean, there's always very much a, a consideration. So yeah, uh, I think any young professional, like you said, has to come up against that. I mean, I, I honestly, I think about it now because Vinny, uh, Vincent Chase, the horse I have now is pretty nice. 
Um, and it's one of those things where people ask, are you going to, are you going to do this? No, 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 no. And, and he can't breathe. So yay. Bye. <laughs> so, so anyway, but it, uh, he wasn't purchased as an investment horse, but neither was pickle. Pickle was yeah. something, the same thing. He just, they're, they're a bit of geniuses. Mm-hmm. They were, they were pretty smart, but yeah, it is. It's, I think of it often and sometimes regretfully and, and other mm-hmm. times it's, it's fine. Well, I learned a lot. And yeah. right at the end of the day, that's what we're doing with every experience we have is learning a lot, whether it be good mm-hmm. or bad, mm-hmm. file it away. And like you said, help, other, help other people. I mean, there are, yeah. there are some fantastic horses out there and some people who are way too hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that, I think you should enjoy the animal you have. And irregardless of if you feel like somebody's saying that horse is so nice, that person is not good enough to have that horse. So what is your horse? <laughs> it's yeah. your horse. Enjoy yeah. every last minute of it because it could end in a heartbeat. So I think that's one of the things that was so wonderful that we have to constantly remind us. I know I do have to constantly remind ourselves is like the horses, they just, in a, in a, in, when you get the horses that really, really enjoy and they really connect to you and you really connect to them, that's, that's their dream. The Olympics is not their dream. Right. Their high star is not their dream. Like, Right. Like obviously some horses have, have a more, a, like a bigger energy and, and could spend right. that. They're like a working dog or something, but the, yeah. the goal is just to connect and live. Right. Right. Like, right. right. Type of thing. So yep. as long as you're providing that space for them and that connection feels good, like that's. Yeah. That's not, okay. Yeah. I mean, none of them. I, I mean, there are several that you have that are just, I mean, just bring me carrots. I'll be good. Others that like to work, like to do stuff. I mean, I, Vinny's a little bit of a horse that, that likes to do stuff, but he doesn't care what it is. Just do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, it's just not, it's don't <laughs> that's so engagement. everybody involved. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, so it is, it's, it's a, uh, I mean, everybody, we're lucky enough to have horses in our life. You should enjoy it while you have, and don't, don't question what you're doing, whether it's enough or whether it's not enough, as long as everybody's happy. Yeah. And I think that's the, the biggest thing to have. So, yeah, 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 it's definitely, it's, we, 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 we make it a business enough so that we can just keep doing it, but it's, right. it's more of a, <laughs> yeah. it's more of a lifestyle than a, yeah. than a, a corporate job that you have to kind of not enjoy. <laughs> yes. Right. Trust me. Yeah. And the hours are much longer, generally speaking. I mean, I, I, I have people come in and out, you do too, as working students and stuff. And it's like, well, what time are we done? It depends. <laughs> chances are, chances are later than you want, and probably earlier than we need. But that, that's yeah. the deal. So, but uh, but that it is. It's horses, and I'll tell you what. I'll take a long day in the barn, taking care of horses and doing stuff, than a than a corporate gig all day long, mm. and yeah. not just because of the BS. But anyway, so um. <laughs> you can just handle it more because there's BS everywhere but you can handle there it there is when you're yeah, it's a whole different, yeah, under your whole different level of I, maybe it's the bureaucratic <laughs> part of that the, the BS that's involved there <laughs> I don't know that's everywhere too anyway I sound well no no realistic so so then then move over to this kind of other side of what you're doing so what what led you down the road of kind of thinking you wanted to be a tv and a judge and follow that side continuing wanting to be a glutton for punishment in my life uh (laughs) no and do thankless things Uh, (laughs) uh no it's one of those I, i had 
I'd had pickle and then other horses involved with that did a bunch with uh, our questionnaire and Kathleen and uh, McDermott. We had a good time, a lot of fun. And then we sort of hit, I'm, I am in my fifties now and I kind of got like, well, I can't really do this forever. So how do I stay involved? And I've had mentors in my life that have all gone the judging route and, and some of them, both of them are very good judges, well-respected judges and, and encouraged me to, to do that. And, and I kind of, I kind of like it. It was very interesting to me to be on that aspect of it, to give back to the sport that way. And it's something that you hear all the time is we need, we need judges who ride. We need TDs who ride. We need, we need, we need, we need. And, uh, so I got started down that road. I didn't really, I hadn't anticipated doing all the other things that I'm doing now too. I started that, I think before I found Vinny. I had sort of gotten to a place where I had kind of lost, lost the joy, lost the whatever, and was like, all right, well, how am I going to stay involved and keep doing this at the level that I, that I can? And like any, any of us that have ridden at the upper level know it's never enough. So you're always going, it keeps me busy. You're always learning to do more of taking the next test and doing the next exam and, and apprenticing and listening and learning. And, and so it satisfied my need for that as mm -hmm. well. So yeah, it just sort of started. And then, then I found this horse and then I started this new barn and yeah, and here I am really busy <laughs> and, and then got a little bored in COVID and started a nonprofit. So yay. <laughs> so just keep me busy, but I really, what? I thoroughly love the judging and the TDing. And I like having both because I think just doing one or the other would get, it wouldn't get old, but I find it very valuable to have both. So, so. I want to back up a little bit and, and more just because I think this is something that a lot of people, myself included, can resonate with is kind of when you hit that, like, just, you just kind of plateau a little and you're like, where, what am I, what am I doing? And I think you just said, I lost my, the joy in what I was doing. And I was kind of trying to figure out what, what to do to find that again. Like how, how did you, I mean, obviously the judging part of it showed up, but did that take like five minutes, five days, five months, like how, like five years, like how long were you going around? <laughs> Where to show up or to actually do it? It's, well, it's one, it's one of those things that I got my licenses. I, I did an intense program, a self-induced intense program and decided to do it, put my head down and had licenses in a year. There are other people that you can do it over a three year period. And there are other people that start it, let it lapse and then start again. So it's, it's, it's sort of how fast you want to go, how fast you want to learn. It, it takes a lot of dedication, a lot of patience to do. There's a lot of apprenticing, a lot of watching, learning to, to get it all, to get it all done, honestly. And it's a, it's a, a massive amount of information that they keep changing on you regularly. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? always change. So there's always stuff to keep up with, but yeah, it's, I did it quickly and intensely. It, it sort of worked out because I wasn't doing as much with the riding and Vinny was still a baby. So we were only doing fun little stuff. So it's, which is actually where I thought we were just going to stay just doing fun little stuff. I didn't really anticipate being back doing what we're doing. So now I'm really tired, but it, uh, <laughs> it, uh, the, the, the judging stuff was, was good. Got it done in a year and a lot of encouragement, a lot of help. It is a, officials are a pretty encouraging group of people to each other. Um, mm -hmm. and if they, if you have the right support and the right attitude there, there's a lot of encouragement and a lot of, uh, sort of help along the way. 
and the USEF program. I I do not do I did not do the straight dressage judge program. I did the eventing dressage program. So it's a little less torturous, but mm -hmm. I evened it up by adding the TD license. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we can't be taking any easy road. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Was there was there uh, anything when you were kind of the uh, doing your your year I mean I'm sure there were a few things but is there any standouts that you remember being like kind of mind-blowing looking at it through a judge's lens instead of a rider's lens like like whoa like I wish I had known that oh there's <laughs> there are so many things like so many things as a dressage judge that 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 I'm like hello why didn't anybody say this but it's because what I found is people don't pick up their tests and read them after. You do all this work and you do these tests and you walk by the office at the end of the day, there's a stack of tests that are this high that people didn't go and pick up. And I was always one of the geeks that went and picked up my tests. So, but just the importance of, or the art, I should say, of test writing, what to do, what mm -hmm. to ask for, where to push, where not to push for things. And sitting with, I sat with Peter Gray and I'm very uh, fortunate to sit with a bunch of really good people that all have look at it from a little different directions uh, yeah. and just was a sponge and just learned a lot from from everybody and you find your own when you when you go to judge school the first one of the first things they teach you is is methodology right so you will develop your method you will develop what you see how you see it and how you score things and and because you, you can't, nobody's brains work the same way. So we can't all, we may all see the same thing, right? And even give it the same score, but for different reasons. And mm -hmm. so that was a bit fascinating. How, what did that process look like? Like how were they like, did you like methodology when you, when you talk about it like that, where you kind of give it help, help organize your own or they just said you're going to figure out your own they, they help they certainly help you organize your own because there's certain standards right so you have you have a standard of what you see and how your brain then translates it and it's more of it's kind of it's kind of funny we all sit around an arena see mm -hmm. stuff and then you hold up number cards it's a little mm -hmm. like playing a game show and you see what what people score what they don't score how the difference is one of the fascinating things is the difference between sitting at c and sitting at b so I was at uh, in Unionville this past weekend, and Debbie Adams was the president of the ground jury, and I was the judge on the side with her. And we're a formidable judging pair because we're both Jersey girls. So, yeah, both New Jersey. Yeah, but it's it's a lot of us whine and carry on about well, the judge at C gave me this, and the judge at B gave me that, and they clearly they're not looking at the same thing, which is absolutely correct. We're not looking at the same thing. I can't see if, if I'm on the side, I can't see if your leg yield is straight. I can't see the angle of your shoulder in. I can see the frame that your horse is carrying in. I can see them from a longer period of time, but it is, it is the same test from an entirely, literally different direction. Mm. So that is why, now you shouldn't get wide spreads because the work affects both things. Mm. I'm getting geeky. Sorry, but uh, no, I love it. Yeah, but it, <laughs> But it's a, it's a, it's an, it's an amazing thing that, that like, well, did you see this? Well, no. Did you see that? Well, no. So, mm -hmm. so how it, how does that happen? And at the, at the end of the weekend, at the end of your divisions, we sit down and where we're further than five points apart, at least in the FBI tests, you then sit down and discuss why you're more than five points apart. But we did pretty well. And I'm pretty, I'm still pretty new at this. It's been, uh, I guess about three and a half, three and a half years that I've been fooling around doing this nonsense. And uh, 
and we were pretty close. I was pretty, I was pretty happy. I think we were off on three horses and we judged over 80. Wow. And like just off one was like five and a couple of close ones, nothing was huge. So, so, so that's pretty good. I was pretty happy. Yeah. And I, I think it, like I said, it feeds my need for more information and for being better. When we ride, we're always taking lessons and doing things to be better. And mm-hmm. I try and apply that to my judging and my TDing. I've mm-hmm. gotten to work with some pretty darn good people now and, and be a student as well as an official within it and just, um, just a sponge, absorb it all. But, uh, when you sit at the, at the end of the competition and if there's more of a spread of five points, do you, is there a video or do you remember what you were judging? Like, how I, does that work? You generally, I, there's no video. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you go down the test, lots of times as you go through the test, you think, oh, right, right. That was the bay horse that was short mm-hmm. its neck, or the t- stuck its tongue out or did whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> generally, that's the, that's, that's, you'd be amazed how much you can remember. I remember. I mean, I think it helps because I know a lot of the people and a yeah. lot of the riders. So you don't use it as, well, this is what they usually do. And this is what mm-hmm. they did. But you can be like, oh, right. Uh, this person on that horse, and this is what it looked like, and mm-hmm. and uh, and then you go over it. But you can t- hopefully you can you can divine where your numbers came from from your comments. I mean, the comments mm-hmm. are very important, which is what people don't un- understand. You could be having a glorious canter circle that's on an eight, right, mm-hmm. and then trip, mm-hmm. and the score has to come down. And it's sad because it the trip happened. You lost the balance for a fraction of that. Part, but it's got to come down in your in your balance mm-hmm. mark. So there's all these, and that's part of the methodology too. Like how much do you take down? I mean, there's Linda Zhang has written amazing and very helpful books of of how much, you know, what the modifiers are. Again, turning into a geek, but uh, like all the little things you have to consider. You have the crux of your movement, and and this is a for lower level riders going across your diagonal in your beginner novice novice and training level tests. Well, not so much a training level test. Doesn't mean put it in fifth gear and run your horse on the forehand across the diagonal. And somebody somewhere is teaching that because every novice person on the planet goes across the diagonal and just turns them loose. And <laughs> right, they get on their forehand, they fall, and then they have to slam on the handbrake at the end of the ring, and their corner at the end of the ring is awful. So there's a that's something to consider. I mean, to me, you can tell what the training trends are with mm. what's going on. But there are, on your dressage test, there are all these things that say, like, this is the crux of the movement. In the little box next to the box that tells you what you're doing, it tells you all the things we're considering mm-hmm. in that movement. And some of them is balance. Some of them, I think it's the prelim test. There's a transition that is supposed to happen after X. It states very clearly, after X. Mm-hmm. Everybody does it at X. Mm-hmm. Every time you do it at X and not after X, you're giving away half a point. Right. So do that six, seven times in your test. Where's your number? Right. So, right. so all those, all those little things, we love to give good. There's nothing that makes me mm-hmm. happier than giving eights and nines and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I have to say, if I have to give a four, there's always a, oh, four. I mean, my scribes laugh right. at me all the time. It's like, oh, that's too bad. Four. Yeah. Or yeah. two or what have you. It depends. Each number yeah. below five comes with a noise, apparently. But uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating bit of a science i mean it's an art mm. but there's also a science and uh so anyway uh, what do you remember what the book is that you were talking about that linda zang wrote 
Oh, what is the book? I don't, I don't remember. We've got, we've got clever, clever people that work behind the scenes. All right. Yeah. I'm just listening. (laughs) It's probably judging principles or it may not even be, I'm not sure if it's a book or a pamphlet or what have you. You could probably find it on the, you gotta find it on the USDF thing because it is, I mean, it it gets, it talks not about just eventing dressage. It talks about Mm -hmm. like proper dressage all the way up the level, but it applies for our flying changes. It applies for our half passes. It, it, it gets in the nitty gritty and, and how much, I mean, you have your poles too low or whatever in your rain back or it's too high or rain back is broken and yeah, mm-hmm. you have to come down X amount. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like a, uh, it's like in the, in the rule book, uh, this is the TD hat. There's a difference between you must be eliminated for something versus you may be eliminated. Mm-hmm. And right. so it, it's the kind of thing that, and I think, I think this comes into some of the upper level rules to like the flag rules versus the but mm-hmm. like if somebody gives you unauthorized assistance you must be eliminated right if somebody does something else you may be eliminated um mm-hmm. so it's very much because most of us don't like to eliminate or give dangerous riding or do right. whatever else to people but sometimes we do not have i mean we don't have an option mm. so so some places the wiggle room is removed and other places it is not so right yeah. I was watching, I was in Germany last week and one of my friends had on the, the dressage young horse championships. And it was really interesting because before, I'm sure you've watched this, but I hadn't. And it was interesting before that at the end of each test, the rider and the horse stayed in the ring and the judge got on the loudspeaker and talked through the marks that they gave. Oh, that's interesting. It was so cool Yeah, because it really did. I mean, I obviously like when you when you've been doing this sport a while, you you start to know the judges and them as your right. friends and your peers and as people more than as judges, <laughs> even if <they're> judges <laughs> and uh, but there's still like you get a, a mark that is not where you think it should be or it's a bit right. harsh or whatever, and you take it very personally as opposed to like it just like you're saying it's just what it is. It's right. not personal. This is just what it is. And it was really interesting listening to this young horse, like watching the horses that were obviously stunning at at straight, straight dressage horses, but listening to the judge speak through the marks for submission, like marks for submission, movement balance, all of that type thing, regularity and, and her genuine, like kindness around having to give a lower score. Like we can't give this this mark right. we had to penalize this mark for this and it just like humanized the whole thing. <laughs> yes. we, we don't all have evil witch hats and like <laughs> who can i give a four to i mean it's like uh, most of us want to do want to give you the most that we can there's honestly nothing that makes i'm yeah. gonna say 90 percent of us happier than being able to be like yay nine yeah. or yay yeah. eight and it and but the requirements are the requirements and yeah. you do it or you don't. And you have to, and that levels the playing field a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. If you, that, that questy horse that I had was never a fabulous mover. He was never, he was never going to knock your socks off. However, mm-hmm. changes were always clean. His, ha- his mm-hmm. half passes were always good. And it's, he, he would end up in the top on huge big divisions once in a while because because it was just correct. And I learned to right. ride an accurate test. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference. Your your medium goes from M to K, mm-hmm. not a little after M to a little before K. I mean, right. and that's where you can get, I mean, a half a point. And if you can mm-hmm. add a half a point to 
50% of your test, that adds mm-hmm. a lot. So right. for sure. So anyway, but yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's most of us. And the, I think the young horse, I don't know about judging them over there, but like the young horse stuff that I, I love, that is like my favorite thing to judge is the four and mm-hmm. five year old stuff. I just, I think it's great because mm-hmm. you are seeing the future. It's like, right. Putting your, like putting in a crystal ball going, what's this one going to do? What's it not going to mm-hmm. do? And, uh, and the scoring is a little, it's very different than, than dressage, but mm-hmm. you, you take the best of what you see. But mm-hmm. then it used to be like the collective remarks on the dressage test. We used to have gates and then submission and right. rider. Now we just have the harmony mark, which keeps us all much more on time, I do have to say. But uh, the gates score, you used to you take the best of what you saw throughout the whole test. Mm. So, so you don't penalize necessarily the gates for jigging if there's some jigging or what have you. But like if the free walk is amazing, then you add that in to, to mm-hmm. whatever else. So you kind of take the best of what you're looking at and the uh, the young horses are, are a little like that it's just yeah just i was somewhere this summer and the footing was hard it was a little tough and it was wet in the morning and nobody had shoes on their four-year-old so there was slipping right. and carrying on and it was like just show me five nice strides right. five nice strides somewhere and then a little bit of difference and and that's what i'll don't mm-hmm. stress about where the, i i know that they're almost falling down I'm not gonna penalize you for 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 that where everybody's struggling. Yeah, just show me something good. So yeah, uh, yeah. If you could give like three three hacks to to (laughs) for for you, right? Like, I mean, because like you said, you said it earlier. I think everybody, when you're working with different dressage judges, everybody has their their own slice of it or their own methodology Mm -hmm. to it. What would what would be three? If if I go to the horse show and I see Heather Gillette's my judge. (laughs) Tell, tell us all what what do we what do we do? <laughs> uh, yeah, what do not have a short neck? I don't want to see your horse's neck, mm-hmm. your horse's chin this far away from the neck, because you do that, the back is hollow. You're not going to show your horse off to the best of their ability. Now, trust me, I have I've ridden thoroughbreds <laughs> for a long, long time. Sometimes you're just there because you're trying to stay in the ring. There's that, but we don't know that, or even if we know that, we can't judge that. So, so that's the thing. If you can put the horse's neck out and ride out to it. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's a big one for me. Don't, I try and be understanding. If you look like you're having a tense and tough day, we know you're having a tense and tough day. Don't, don't kick it, pull it, jerk on it, do whatever else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that immediately just, it just makes, it just makes us have not as good a time as you're not having. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and after all, it's all about keeping your judges happy. No, it's uh, the the biggest thing for me is that and then the simple accuracy stuff I just think uh and I maybe because I rode with actually Patina we rode with Patina at the same time you Mm -hmm. were riding Kate and I was riding Questy and we were I must have done 300 center lines at that lesson yep it's not good enough do it better it's not good enough do it better and and uh and then actually with William Fox Pitt this spring too I rode rode with him and the little the little spots where you give things away are Mm -hmm. stupid Learn your test. We all make mistakes. We all flake out and make an error or what have you. But but know your test. Ride to the letters as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, honestly, I'll take a a happy forward partnership mm-hmm. uh, that maybe isn't as fancy over a super fancy, really tense, mildly tortured horse any day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, and I think that probably is the case for, uh, for, for most of us, but, but my real thing is this, my real thing is the shortness of the neck. 
Yeah. How, how often would you recommend or do you personally yourself, and you can talk about it from, from the lower levels to the upper levels, would you practice test riding? I think some of it depends on the horse because those of us who have one horse and if they're smart and they learn the test, I mean, sometimes that's great. You see, like, like I, I'm a little better off with Vinny if he knows the test a little bit because then he's not like, oh, when do I do this? When do I? It's a pipe thing. When do I do this? When do I do that? If I scared my dog, sorry. It, uh, so it helps him to know the test a little bit. He stays more relaxed. It helps uh, other times. Like if I did that with, with Pickle, forget it. He was just, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to do it early. It was, it was the wrong kind of thing. I think you have to do, each rider has to do what they are comfortable with. What's going to help you know the pattern, understand the pattern and just make it flow. What is. Fluidity flow is important in your test too. You don't want to, if you can help it, you don't want to present a test that looks like you're doing movement one, movement two that you're doing. You want to have some transitions between the movements is probably the wrong way to, might be a confusing way to say it, but you want everything to sort of flow from one thing into, into the next. And I think whatever in your training is going to help you do that better. Um, mm -hmm. If you have multiple horses and you can practice the test on it, lucky you that's really mm -hmm. good but i think uh, I, I think you have to customize it a little bit but what what you want to feel when you trot down the center line is confident in where you're going and what you're doing and then you can work on the little bits yeah versus we will get remembering where you're going like oh uh, like some poor girl <laughs> this past weekend you could tell she came around the corner cantering and she started on a loop and then she's like nope then is it across nope oh i'm supposed to be going down the long side and everybody does it at every level all the time and and you just kind of have to the tricky part is and and what we do as judges if you see somebody going and they have an error but they don't have to repeat that movement again like if it's a transition and it's in a certain place you got to kind of tell them because they have to do that going the other way mm. if it's a mo if it's a movement that just happens on its own you can give the error depending on the level because if you if you blow your whistle you disrupt the whole thing some people's brains just go Right. And that's it. There's nothing left. Other people go, oh, yeah, I'm a bonehead and pick it up and just go from there. Right. So we try to be helpful to not disrupt what the rider is is trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. every once in a while, it's amazing how well people ride after they have an error. It's kind mm -hmm. of like all of a sudden all nerves go. Right. And then like, well, I screwed that up. So I might as well just practice. And, and yeah. And then actually it gets much, much better. So, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a balance, isn't it? Because like, I mean, again, with eventing, it's tricky because you have three different things you're needing to practice. So it's not like you can work on just the quality of the gates one day and then the next day you're coming out and you're just going to work at your center line. And then the next day you can come out and actually put the test together, like two, two days you're doing your flat work or whatnot. And, and I find that it, like for me, the last thing I want to be worried about is where I'm going. You want to be thinking yep. about the the quality of what you're doing or or actually presenting yep. a test. Like presenting your it was interesting. I was trying a horse and I went back to try it for a second time. And I had re I had called a friend of mine and I was like, it just I'm struggling a little bit with this horse because it's a really, really nice horse and it's been ridden really well, but very differently than the way I ride. Um, mm -hmm. but it's flighty and it's spooky and cool and all these things wrapped up into one thing but I'm like am I gonna die or am I gonna have the best time in my life I'm unsure right. 
Right. <laughs> well, you know, that's a little bit vetting too, right? Yeah. So, but anyway. <laughs> I was like, well, and uh, yeah, one of my, one of my other well, really neat lady I teach, I sent her the video of the horse and I said, she said, buy it. And I said, well, what if I fall off? She goes, buy it anyway. Learn to stay on. <laughs> I mean, but, that's a little bit it, right? I mean, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as long as you think you can live with it. <laughs> yeah. But the the first the first friend that I was chatting with, he said, "Don't when you go to try it, tr- ride ride the horse like you're at a show, like you're showcasing her. Don't try and train her. Just ride her like you like if you hop down and you need to do a test where you're just seeing can you be accurate with what you have to work with today? Right. Can you show the quality of gates of what you can work with today? And and don't and ride it that way. And I thought it was such an interesting way." To, to, because I find trying horses quite tricky because on one hand, you're like, it's like speed dating to marry someone, <laughs> right? You have one date, half an hour, and for right. something, you got to just rock and roll. But then you want to get on and train them. And that's not really right. the time or the place. But it did showcase to me, it really like drove a, a hard line down. There's time for training and there's time for showing. And it's like when you go in the arena to have the mindset of like, it is a showcase of the, like you said, with the young horse, the best that you right. can show whatever that is, like right. whatever that is, is on that day. Everybody, yeah, is very different, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just a totally, yeah, it's just a shift in that mindset and and being prepared with going into and doing the dressage test, even so that what you can't do, right. not to be negative, but like, right, right. like this horse cannot do a medium trot, so don't do it. <laughs> like, right, right. right. Have reasonable <laughs> expectations, and not only that, I mean, you'll have days where you can push for stuff. Yeah. We're like, okay, like watch this extended canner. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then other days we're like, oh Jesus, <laughs> if, I, <laughs> if I go near this, like don't breathe kind of thing. So it's a little bit. And I think with if one thing that horses teach us, right, regardless of the discipline or what you're doing with them, I mean, even just being in a stall with them is you have to be in the moment. If you're not paying attention mm-hmm. and you don't know what they're thinking, feeling, or mm-hmm. doing, it's going to be more eventful than you probably want it to be. 100%. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of have to. And, and that's the tricky thing. Uh, they all have their own personalities. Mm-hmm. Some of them get better if you push them. Some of them get worse. If you, if you crack one with a dressage whip and say, get on with it, that may work for that horse. But if you do that to this horse, your day is over. I mean, mm-hmm. so it, uh, it's uh, the best thing about horses is they teach you to be present mm-hmm. um, uh, at every, at every moment yeah. down the line, not down the center line. I mean, you can see horses come down the center line. You're like, yeah, wow, look at this. And they get to halfway down between X and C and they rear up and spin around. Right. But you just have to. And, and honestly, I mean, and I think professionals in particular, well, no, I mean, I think amateurs too, because everybody puts so much, we all put so much pressure on ourselves. There, mm. There's gotta be some humor in it. If yeah. there's not humor in it, then you're taking yourself too seriously and you're going to, you're going to lose your way in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, kind of have to, and mm-hmm. everybody, there's always the quote, horses, the biggest humblers are the greatest humblers da, 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 and all that. And, and it is very true, but mm-hmm. with that should then come humor. Like you mm-hmm. have to be like, yeah, yeah, I thought it was going great. And then I fell off. <laughs> you just, yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not world peace. It's not, and hopefully it's, it's all learning. But, mm-hmm. um, but that's the, I mean, yeah. I think that's a, that's a big thing, but people should not be terrified of their dressage judges. Yeah. GPs, maybe they could be a little terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if you have a little, a little split personality going on, like, yeah. who am I, who am I talking yeah. to? Wait, 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 are you a judge or are you a TD? 
I will tell you, if you hear a golf cart chasing you on cross country, <laughs> run, slow down because we're trying to catch you. <laughs> well, my instinct was to go faster the other yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we will find you eventually. Sometimes the, the Fred Flintstone golf carts are killers, though, when you're a TD because you're just, there's no way you're catching them. No, so, no. anyway. Yeah, you know, like a, a BB gun or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, oh, that'll teach them. Yeah, like, the, like the old vaudeville. Yeah. Right? yeah. Your day is over. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, I do. I want to talk about, I have a question, actually. Right. I, have a, I still have a lot of questions, and I'm going to try and get most of them in. But I remember there being some talk, and this, I don't want to go down a like negative road at all. But I'm still curious about this. I remember there being some talk around the subject of dangerous riding and the, around the subject of pulling people up on course. Yeah. What What is happening? Is that a thing? Is it not a thing? Is it is it a, a thing. It, it is a thing. And actually, it's, it's, it is something that I don't think people recognize how big a struggle it is for the officials to, to take on the responsibility for the else's decisions that they're making. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is, a, and as things have, the more you learn, the more I learn, and the more you're around, the more people say, well, it's it's the course designer's responsibility. It's the official's responsibility to make things are going well. It's, it's all these other responsibilities. Bottom line, it's the rider's responsibility. And and hopefully the trainer's responsibility. If you, it is not something that dangerous riding is not something that we, that I personally dole out easily. I will meet you at the finish line and give you a firm talking to you. If, I mean, basically, because I don't want to see anybody get, none of us want to see anybody get hurt. People do <clears throat> PR of the sport for this, that, and everything. No, personally, I just don't want to see people get hurt. It is something that we, we go, the president of the ground during the TD, go at the day before and approve, approve the courses, go over the intent. You it, measure everything to make sure it's legal. There is so much work that goes into presenting a challenging but safe test for everybody. I, I can't even tell you, like the, the hours mm. that are spent. Well, that flower is not high enough for that spot. We need a higher flower for that corner. I mean, those are the conversations that go on, right? That hay bale needs to come in a foot and a half so they don't end up between the flags and jumping the wide part of the corner. Those frangibles need to be, they need yellow uh, clips instead of red clips so the table falls easier. So, so it does its job, right? All of this stuff, we take very, we uh, officials take, take very seriously. The dangerous riding is something that lots of people have responsibility for. I don't, I don't know about you, but I know that you can have really, really terrible jumps, right? You make a mistake, you don't see something, you have a horrible, like you just puke over something and it's terrible and you mm -hmm. go, oh crap, I don't want to do that. Hopefully you go, yeah. I don't want to do that again. And you make sure your horse is on their toes. Things are being remembered, whether it's the beginning or the end. The tricky part about pulling people up on course while they're going is everybody has that rotten fence, Yeah, right? Everybody has that. Uh, do you allow them to have two rotten fences? How many times are you willing to roll the dice before you're like, that person is not making smart decisions. We need to stop them. Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully that doesn't come too late. I had an, I had this uh, experience a couple years ago at the prelim level at an event. And 
the writing was on the wall as to what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But nothing happened until it got really bad. Mm-hmm. Right. So I could not justify pulling that person up because of the potential of what could have happened. Right. Right. So because then uh, who's who's to say what if somebody has mm-hmm. a horrible jump and then gets their act together and has a beautiful rest of the thing. If you mm-hmm. so it's it's there are it needs to have modifiers and rules. It needs a Linda Zhang book is what it needs. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know, what I was going to ask. Is, like, there, is there a framework around it? No. No, not, not, not enough. Framework? No. No. But how do you, how do you have enough? Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, how do you have enough? Now, yeah. we, get, we get the Erculist ratings for all the events. The TD, you get an email and it has this person's in red, this person's in yellow. They might be, they might be dangerous. They might not be dangerous. There's the watch list. And I think the, I think the watch list is not used as much as maybe it, it should be. I think that would be to identify people that maybe you're worried about. Yeah. Uh, what what does help, honestly, a little bit is having show jumping before cross country, because mm-hmm. that that sometimes it yeah. gives you an eyeball on who to keep an eye on. And mm-hmm. you know, if things are running at the same time, you'll often get numbers to watch from show from your show jumping judge to cross country. Now, often what was a sketchy show jump round will be a beautiful cross country round. Mm-hmm. So again, but it's just something to keep an eye on. And uh, it, it is, very, it is very difficult, but yeah. they, they try and officials try and do the best job that they can. Yeah. And if it is going badly, try and stop somebody. And like I said, I am stop people for going too fast at the talk to them at the finish line. And interestingly enough, most of the time their trainers are like, Thank you so much. I've been trying right. to tell them that and they just won't listen. So mm-hmm. uh, it, uh, yeah. and others that have fallen and gone, yeah, well, why do you think you fell? Mm-hmm. Were you going fast? Were you out of balance? Were you, I mean, mm-hmm. even at the GMHA, there's a bunch of just stream crossings. They're not flagged or anything else. We had like three people fall off at the stream crossing. Right. They didn't bother. It's not flagged. Why do I have to slow down? <laughs> because mm-hmm. you're going to fall off. So there needs to be, and I know this is somewhat controversial because there's a lot of there's been some opinions that it's the responsibility of the officials to make sure this is okay. We, we can only do, we can only do so much. I mean, if I'm really uncomfortable, I'm going to stop you. Right. Uh, but yeah, it can't just be willy nilly. I mean, think yeah. of all the lessons you teach. How many times do you say, yeah, now go do that line again. Cause the first time was crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, one, it's one of those things, but if, if it's, a little bit what if you see it yeah yeah uh, so it, yeah least, it's really it's really I, tricky that, i mean you you ask five different people you get five different responses from like it's really who's who's ultimately whose responsibility is it and then you have kids and is it the parents but the parents don't know so then it's the trainer and then right the, but then the the parents and the kid have always been with the trainer and don't recognize that this isn't how it's done and then like it's so there's it's, all kinds of that i mean you can go and you can say oh that one's from that pearls program and that one's from that trainer's mm-hmm. program and that one's from that trainer's program and and it is i mean what do you do you can't have an intervention with everybody i mean you can't <laughs> you can't have but but if if you see it you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta call it like i said there's some people show jumping often um they'll have stops or do whatever and and mm-hmm. hopefully that ends their day the but we are watching. Yeah. And uh, well, it's, I, yeah, I didn't actually realize. Level test, so. Yeah, I didn't actually realize there was so much information given beforehand as far as 
people that are highlighted to pay attention to or the conversation going back and forth between the judges at show jumping and cross country. So that, yep. Yeah. I mean, we, we are, we are trying our level best to make everybody mm -hmm. as safe as possible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to the point where at some of the bigger events, you have people with a, with a radio at the start of the course. Mm -hmm. Some of these courses are really spread out and you can't see the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You have somebody reporting at the start going, okay, they were good, but four was a little dodgy. Keep an eye. Um, right. And, uh, and yeah, you know, that's what it is. But I mean, you, it gets tricky and it gets political because yeah. sometimes you see professionals yeah. having not such a good day. Yes. And again, some of them, it's like, again, like they'll have a horse that they're trying to make work. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I may think it's not going to work. Somebody else may think it's not going to work, but this rider who lives with the horse thinks they're going to make it work. And this, I mean, this occurs all the way up the levels. I mean, we yeah. there are people that, and, and that get watched all the way up. Um, mm -hmm. And it is, it's just, it's, it's, it's tricky. You can't, yeah. you can't, but I mean, hopefully some of us know some of the competitors enough could actually, I mean, some of the professionals, if you talk to them about it, get what's the word rather unsportsmanlike about the conversation, <laughs> or if you're yeah. talking about one of their students, I mean, that's kind of the mm -hmm. best way to put it. They're like, mm -hmm. you know, well, what, what are you, you're an official. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's where some of the, the ability to say, well, I'm an official, but I've also ridden at the level. I know, mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. gives you a little more credibility depending mm -hmm. on the person. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, it's tricky. I, I was interesting. I found it really actually eye opening on two sides of it. Like when I was pregnant, I was on the ground a lot teaching and in the warm up and waiting and sitting around. Right. And and I saw more of that side than I've seen. <laughs> and right. I was, I was actually like in some situations I was really like impressed, but by people that I was pretty sure I was going to be impressed with anyway, that was polite. <laughs> and, but I was really surprised with, su with some like people at professional levels that I know is like, that, that I know as peers and people and they're nice people, like they're good people, yeah. but in the heat of competition or stress or right. something. I don't know what it was. It like, it, it, it was like a, a very dismissive, uh, lacking, like a, it, be, it being very okay to be disrespectful right. in, in a situation right. where people were, and what else I, I really realized, which I hadn't really thought about before is that like, it's such a small world. Like everybody talks, like you guys all oh, yeah. know. <laughs> people. And, and I'm always so shocked how, how polite, the officials are i'm like i would have just laid into that person <laughs> yeah yep, yeah 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 but it, it's it's really i mean it's it's a good reminder it was a very good reminder to me that to and tick and i've spoken about this a lot at length between ourselves and also with our students yeah. and our, our to to really it doesn't there's no excuse like i don't care if you're nervous anxious like in a hurry whatever there's even if you have to like bite your lip and say thank you very much like Thank you very much. Like it's and listen. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. For sure. You know, it's 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 definitely and you guys when when you're in those roles, like you're there to help and for the sports and for the bigger good, not like if you're gonna say something, you're not doing it to waste your own breath. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the last thing, none none of us are in it for the conflict. True. And hopefully and hopefully there shouldn't be conflict. I mean, we do mm. we do a lot of well, how do you approach this conversation? And if it's a case, right. 
wait for the parent yeah. to come or if it's a, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of me, one for me a little bit diplomatic about it all. You can't be like, well, yeah. what were you thinking? You're trying to kill yourself. I mean, that's, that's yeah. Yeah. Well, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah. And they yeah. write a letter to the USEF and <laughs> there's all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's paperwork and nobody likes paperwork. So, but, uh, I mean, the thing to remember is we're all, everybody with a, with a, a hat on of any variety, mm-hmm. whether it's the volunteers, the officials, the riders, the organizers were all there to enjoy the horses and the sport. Yeah. And that there's not, nobody's really taking sides. Yeah. And if somebody is talking to you about something, it's because they care. They don't want to see you hurt. They don't want to see your horse hurt. They don't want you to have a bad experience. They want you to learn whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. It, uh, but there, there are, I mean, there, there are, there are some egos and there are some things out there that, that mm-hmm. like, heaven forbid, you're an official and you ask a question. Why, what are you asking that question for? Just because I just wonder who made your coat. It's a pretty color. <laughs> not the wrong color and you can't wear it down the center line. I mean, it's like, whoo, easy does it. But yeah. like you said, we all get tense and nervous, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a thing. But it, yeah. is, it is interesting going back to the dangerous riding and, and warning cards and that sort of thing. It's difficult when you see professionals or upper level riders or whatever riding horses that that like now I'm like that 20 years ago I would have ridden. Sure, yeah, I'll ride that. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you want to go take them by the car. Well, what are you thinking? You're gonna die. I mean, mm-hmm. and, uh, that horse does not need to be running intermediate. It shouldn't be jumping three six or whatever. That that sort of thing. And and that's a little that's a little bit like I said before, the crystal ball with the young horses, like which ones are going to be cool, which ones are going to make it, which one am I going to see the five star in five years kind of thing. It's like, please don't kill your, don't, don't get killed by this horse that you shouldn't be riding. Like the ball thing. It's a little, it's a little, uh, it's a a huge, honestly, it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. You can make light of it or whatever. You try and joke about it because I mean, I can be life and death. So yeah, we try and get it right. We try Mm -hmm. We, the officials, the course designers, the organizers, try and get it right so everybody stays safe. Everybody has a good weekend. Mm-hmm. It's not a dressage show, but that everybody walks away having learned something. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing bruised is an ego kind of thing. Right. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But nobody wants to have a car accident either, and they do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I I think uh, it it makes me feel better, and I said this to John Holling too. We chatted with him and obviously he's he's very big on the safety side of things and really put a lot of skin in the game and it makes me yep. feel better having him on that side of the sport and mm-hmm. talking to you it makes me feel better having you on that side of the sport because it is it's a huge responsibility and it needs like I I don't say this lightly when it, I'm I'm almost a little like glad that you feel the weight of that <laughs> sorry yeah, right. no no I mean for, for sure you know what yeah you're saying? Like, yeah yeah it makes me feel better that you're like that you and, and the people that are working with you and around take it as seriously as you do because yeah. everybody is is trying to do the same thing even if there there needs to be more education around that and how we deliver that we're all right. doing our are trying to do our piece there so yeah absolutely so, I, so thank you sure <laughs> sorry uh, well, no, it's that's perfect. But I do want to move towards these questions that I sent you, or else we're going to be like creeping on two hours here. Okay, all right. Yeah, we want to do that. We'll be, we'll be bored. <laughs> no, I think I don't think they would be at all. But I know you have stuff that you need to do. Okay, so what is the biggest lesson a horse has taught you about yourself? So the biggest lesson horses have taught me about myself is the fact that I used to be a very impatient person. 
I am slowly learning to be more patient and to enjoy the process. I think that I tend to be tunnel visioned. Obviously, if you can't tell from this, go get it done. Yeah, it needs to be done in three years. I'll do it in a year, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. That 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 drive that needs to be tempered for the horse and the individual, for for those around me, whether it's the animal mm-hmm. or not the animal. Just just you have to go at the pace that people need you to. You can't you can't impose your pace on other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that learn to be patient, take a breath, and uh, and sort it out. Yeah. And like I said earlier, be be present. You got to be here mm-hmm. now. So yeah, yep. yeah. Well, I think that's probably the hardest thing for in in a world that moves rapid, rapid speed. It's yes. like incredibly hard to be right where you are. Yep. Do you have a favorite training or competition mantra that you reference on the regular? <laughs> Recently, it's just keep swimming. <laughs> that didn't go so well. Just keep swimming. I think that's Finding Nemo. It's not like yeah, Finding Nemo somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but just <laughs> keep swimming. That's definitely that's definitely a good one. And uh, it's that's you just got to kind of kind of roll with it as it as it goes. I think more so than in just the competition part of it. Year years and years and years ago. There's the Dead Poets Society or whatever. It was Carpe Diem, See the Day, Make Your Life Extraordinary. And I have had, had several incidences in my life where that was like, oh, crap. Like, I could almost not be here. Like, I lost my father. He dropped dead in the driveway. Boom. Everything changed. So that was like, wow. Like, I am now four years older than my father was when he died. Wow. And think of all the things that he didn't get to do, miss doing all the things I still want to do, the stuff that I am doing and to be very thankful for that and just don't squander time, don't squander things. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, which is probably why I left the corporate world too, because I'm like, mm-hmm. up, even though he was, he was very much the corporate guy, that sort of thing. And I think often about what regrets he had for maybe not mm-hmm. doing it. He wanted to do something else. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. We never got to mm-hmm. have that conversation. So, mm-hmm. and then when I got kicked in the face mm-hmm. and was nearly lights out, then that really drove it home. Like, whoa, whoa, I'm so lucky a quarter of an inch a different direction. Or if she had high shoes on, that'd be it. There'd be no Heather on this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that, that stupid dead poet society, carpe diem, seize the day, make your life extraordinary thing really sticks. Do what you can mm. each day, get what you can out of it mm. uh, when you can. And, uh, and then don't take yourself too seriously. Um, mm. I think, I think it's a thing. And I try and apply that honestly to the horses, as you well know, you could have best horse in the barn and you show up tomorrow and you got a fat leg and that's the end of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you kind of have to do with what you've got and, uh, and, and, and go from there. And it's a little bit the same when I'm competing, keep going, keep working, keep going, keep working. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then to apply it to, to apply it to the horse show stuff and the competition stuff, which probably was the point of your question. It is, it's all training right now. Mm-hmm. It's all training. You could be in the center line, you could be doing whatever, but it is, it's all training. You're mm-hmm. teaching them every moment you're with them, you're teaching them something. So you can teach mm-hmm. them to be to be tense and worried in the ring, or you can teach them to be more confident in the ring. You can teach mm-hmm. them to be tense and worried about the ditch, or you can teach them to be more confident about the ditch. And it's just a matter of of presenting things so they so they learn to be successful rather than learn to be afraid. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's so interesting, isn't it? It's like, uh, everything in circles, like everything great is in circles. And it's like the, with the horses and with yourself, it's like that teaching role. I feel like it just works in a circle. It's like, I teach them something. And then I, if I pay attention, that teaches me something, they're teaching me something about like, you're talking about the patience and the awareness. And then it just kind of keeps working in this circle, but you don't right. even notice that circle when you're in such a hurry or so in, right. that, in the future. You don't right. notice that that uh, revolution yeah. that you're just smack in the middle of. Yeah, yeah. Like that. I wouldn't be able to ride this horse I have now if I hadn't had the horse I had then, mm-hmm. right? If I hadn't had Pickle, I wouldn't be able to ride Vinny. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is, then you don't realize it. Like all the lessons yeah. I learned being impatient and putting, turning the screws and mm-hmm. trying to do too much, trying to be, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, oh yeah, you did that once. It didn't work out so well. <laughs> yeah. do that again, that kind of thing. So, it, and I think that that is the older you get, the slower you get, but the smarter you get, hopefully. Mm. I mean, you have a greater, a greater index, a greater a table of contents in your brain to refer to than you mm-hmm. do when you're 30 and you're winging it <laughs> and you think you're really cool. So <laughs> it's like, it's like the great, like paradox of life, right? Like yeah. when you're, when your body is like at its fittest and its best, your brain is like an idiot. You get like smarter and wiser and you're like, I got this. Your body's like, yeah, we should, we should slow down a second. Yeah, no, <laughs> let's, 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 let's think smarter, not harder. Right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, Come on. There's gotta be the sweet spot in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Um, is there a piece of advice someone gave you along the way that you still remember a reference today yes and I use it teaching often we we didn't have we didn't have a whole lot when we were younger I sort of clinic and lessoned everywhere I could and I think it was a I don't remember if it was a farrier and I don't even think it was directed at me but it it stuck with me he said steal with your eyes and I was like well, what does that mean? And mm-hmm. then it, I, I asked him about it later. Yeah, it was my, it was a farrier. And he said, you may not have everything, right? You may not have, be able to go and experience all the things and get the best education. But what you can do is watch and learn. Mm-hmm. And that was the point. Sit at the rail, watch people warm up, watch people train, mm-hmm. watch what they do, steal with your eyes, interpret what you're seeing. I mean, steal with your eyes. You also have to listen because that makes sense. But, but steal with your eyes has been a really, really good one because I work a lot with the accessibility thing, the diversity stuff, the inclusion stuff. And we try and figure out how to bring more people into the sport and do stuff. And that's one of the things that I say somewhat routinely to people who ask is Mm -hmm. if you don't have opportunity, you have to make, make it where you can and Mm -hmm. pay attention, steal with your eyes, learn the thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's a free lesson every time you stand next to a warm-up ring, if you're paying attention. Right. Your phones, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's really, that's really good. And it's so interesting. Like now, however many years after hearing that too, that you're now judging in a TV and like really utilizing an obvious skill set you developed from yeah. a young age to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And being able to, I guess, to be confident in what you're seeing you got to trust your mm. eyes too i think to be a, to be to be a good judge you have to trust your yeah. eyes and trust your what yeah you well, yeah that's very interesting mm. very good point, <laughs> <laughs> connecting these dots <laughs> <laughs> look at that <laughs> what do you do when you are seeking inspiration 
Actually, now I go back and I look at uh, I look at old photos and old videos of things that I've done. Like especially mm. if I'm feeling if I am not feeling particular, if I'm insecure or just mm. thinking about like why the hell am I doing this again, kind of thing or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? But you go back and you look at you look at photos where you're just having a ball or having a good time, and 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 it just. I mean, I, at this point, I'm I'm fairly inspired. Because I didn't think I was going to get here again. I mean, like, mm. honestly, I didn't, not so much with the judging part, but with, like, the riding part. Yeah. It's, like, that's a little bit, like, damn, look at what I'm doing again. Because it wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't part of the, that wasn't part of the thing. Buy a young horse out of the field, see what happens. He goes prelim, I'll be happy. Mm. Then, all right, well, then we'll go intermediate. So, holy smokes, look at us. We're going advanced again. So, I think mm. it, I think right now, this sounds very trite and, like, a very little pony crazy kid is the horse is the inspiration i walk in the yeah. barn just say yeah i'm i am so freaking lucky to have this horse and to to do what i'm doing and then there's a just a cool bunch of people that, that i hear from all the time that are just like rock on do whatever yeah. Uh, but yeah when it gets when it gets dodgier i get beating myself up or something's happening hmm. um, it's i just go back and look at from when I was a kid or when I was whatever, just say, oh, that's right. There's, mm -hmm. there's that, that smile. That's the joy. Um, mm -hmm. And like I had that stupid, cheesiest grin on my face all the way around Kentucky this spring. Mm -hmm. I have very unfinished business with Kentucky. I've been there a couple times and just just haven't finished. I went mm -hmm. great the one time, tied up the other. And so and it was it was only it was in the four star. But those finish flags, it was like, yeah, yes. I did them, yeah. and then I still have to deal with the five star part of it. But it's, uh, <laughs> but it, uh, that's the the work. I think is the inspiration. Yeah, source of fatigue. But I think it's that's so. It, it was funny. I was thinking about this yesterday or the day before, and I think it was like after watching the the uh, world championships because, uh -huh. like, well, I, I don't think I've had such a range of emotions since I was like a teenager. Like watching yeah. the show jumping, I was like screaming, I was crying, like. Yeah. Yeah, right. My son is four years old. He's hiding behind me. Like, why can't I watch? I'm like, I can't watch. It was, just, it was just so much. And and then I was riding later and I was just reflecting on the weekend and reflecting on some stuff kind of like you. And it's like, it's almost sometimes like the memories of stuff is like more fun because it's not so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, I saw I, I just in the moments when you're in the moment of some of those things, it's so stressful and people say, oh, enjoy the moment. You're like, have you jumped this? Yeah, no, yeah, right, enjoy right, the moment. Exactly. Like, and I don't care if it's like, if you're going novice or you're going five star, like most people, some, some rare people like are just enjoying the moment, but right. like, no. often it's kind of stressful and so when it does go well or you do or something it's that when you get to like have the memories or go back and watch or look at those pictures it's like almost fills you up more because like it's okay <laughs> hey i did it and survived it's a little like jumping out of a plane i think i think you jump out of a plane you're like i don't want to go i don't want to go i don't want to go and then you land and i hear people say they're like let's go again i mean i don't that's that's yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, not at all I, I, I choose my adrenaline rush. Well. <laughs> I would be, I know that Alanis Morissette uh, song ruined me forever. That like he's in, thinking the flight's nice as it's crashing. Oh yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah. Would, yeah. that that would be me. Like finally I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump out of the plane or this is, this is pleasant. And then I die. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Okay. Have you had an experience or adversity separate from horses in your life that you feel has directly influenced you as a horsewoman? Well, I, yeah. I mean, I think definitely my father dying. And like I said mm-hmm. earlier, I mean, that sort of did it, did it affect me as a horse person per se? Uh, it made me just want to chase my dreams rather than mm-hmm. than be part of the grind. I mean, I think that that's yeah. what that's how his death sort of really struck home because I was I mean I was 21 years old I was still in college so mm-hmm. it uh it kind of just went like right like this this doesn't last forever because when you're 20 you're like it lasts forever mm-hmm. when I'm old and I'm 35 then I'll worry about it it's like uh, <laughs> oh to be 35 <laughs> no, <I was> <laughs> but I think that I think that 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 really that really sort of stuck mm-hmm. with me that and yeah. that and Getting run off with Smokey, whose quarter ran out all the time, taught a little tenacity and how to get back on. I mean, lots of kids would have been like, that's it. I'm bleeding and terrified. I'm not getting back on. I was like, I'm getting back on. I'm going to fix it. So I think that that was stubbornness and uh, resistance. But yeah, I think think, think those two things. And, And working the corporate gig teaches you, taught me some. I mean, it just taught me when I can tolerate versus not tolerate. Yeah. But I, I do find that actually really helpful. My my corporate world has helped I, when I dust it off. It's all very antiquated compared to what goes on now, but it has helped a lot with the nonprofit and trying to get stuff mm. done. The ability to to be diplomatic when needed, to be straightforward when needed, and all that kind of stuff is a yeah. Let's 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 spend five minutes there before we go because I this is I just I, I've read a, a, a bit and followed a bit, but can you bring me? I mean, it just seems incredible what you guys are doing. Can you okay. just bring me up to speed on that? Sure. So during COVID and after uh, the killing of George Floyd, Leslie Mintz, it was it was very cool to have DEI initiatives. All companies everywhere, Coca Cola, Pepsi, all these companies had DEI stuff going on. We're going to improve diversity. We're going to be more inclusive. We're going to promote equity, and 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 so it was pretty cool. So a cool topic for people to be talking about. So Leslie Mintz, who was at USEA, was calling around trying to get people to say. Why professionals, upper level riders, people, people, cool people in the eventing world that can you say why you think this is important for eventing? Mm-hmm. Couldn't get anybody to go on record saying that could get nobody right. could get nobody to go on the record and say why this was an important topic to cover, why we should promote diversity in the sport. I didn't I didn't learn this till well. <clears throat> so, my very dear friend and co-founder of C Strides for Equality Equestrians is a very good black scholar. She's she is and was in charge of the African American History Department at the University of Kentucky. Now she's head of the whole history department. She's even cooler than she was before. She was a student <laughs> of mine when she was studying at Princeton down here. So we've been friends for a long, long time, forever and ever and ever. And she's she's a black person in eventing. Leslie knew her so called Leslie called Stacy to find out what what do we what do we do like mm-hmm. how do we help how do we do something and then explained to Stacy the trouble she was having getting people to go on the record and Stacy said well mm-hmm. you need to call Heather because Heather will she's been an ally of mine I didn't even know honestly at this point in time I didn't even know uh, being an ally was something I'm mm-hmm. just like, well, no, she, I mean she's my friend she events I want that sort of thing and so Stacy said call Heather she'll talk to you about it and why it's important and not that I'm like I said I'm 
that I'm knowledgeable. I just know how to be a decent human being. And uh, then that's when Leslie was telling me she couldn't get people to go on the record. And mm. so I got I got mad. I'm like, well, I'll go on the record. What do I have to lose? I've got nothing to lose. Go ahead. I'm, I'm old and salty and not worried about a thing. You know? So yeah, this is a thing. Why is this? Like, why is this even a thing? Like, how is yeah. this a hard topic to talk about? Why will nobody say anything about it? So got off the phone with Leslie after talking about this thing or thing. Got in the shower, thinking about the whole thing. I can't believe it. Just like a Friday or something. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, well, you better stop bitching about it and do something about it. Mm. So in a weekend with lots of coercion on my part for Stacy to be involved, <laughs> I'm like, mm. you got to help me because I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to do this. We started what was going to be sort of strictly just an allyship uh, program, like telling riders and people why it's important to, I mean, honestly, this, it goes back to the, I try and relate this to the horses often because that's what most of us think about. It's just listen to other people's experiences. Why is it important? Why is it important for the black kid on the pony to not feel alienated, right? Mm -hmm. or, or the kid holding the horse at the ring? I mean, the stories you hear, the more you get into it, the more you talk to people, not talk to people, the more you listen to people, the more it's like, holy crap, like, mm -hmm. like we need to be better. We need to do better. We need to do more things. Mm -hmm. And uh, another, another story is, so we got, we got this, we got this started, created it in a weekend, and then was like, I don't know how to run a nonprofit. So talked to Rob Burke and Max Corcoran at the US, USEA and was like, hey, I did this thing and I created it. Do you guys want to support it? Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, sure. Why not? Because again, it was cool. Everybody's doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and so they got behind it. We created a separate committee. C is very different than the DEI committee, but the USEA foundation supports us. So we, we donations and stuff go through the foundation and, and we benefit from their, their corporate structure and their marketing and their PR stuff, that machine. And we, 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 we use all that, but we're bringing a lot to the table too, because we are, and we're, I think we still are the only BI program promoting, uh, promoting this in horse sports. Really? There are, there are other publications. There are some things that are written up and stuff, but we are, we, and the USCF came out with their big, well, this is what we're doing. Well, their first four points were kind of ours that, that <laughs> they, that during their think tank group things, they're like, oh, but we like those ideas and just snag yeah. them. But, but it's good. The more the merrier. Great. Yeah. On yeah. Um, the more they they have a much bigger machine than we are to, yeah. that makes some difference. So, but it is expanded. I'm babbling. Sorry. It is expanded greatly beyond just the allyship, just why it's important to make everybody who's at an event feel comfortable being there. I mean, just walking up and saying, is this your horse or are you the groom? That that may not affect you, mm. but it's going to affect that person. Like, well, why didn't I think I'm the groom? Because I'm, because I'm Spanish, because I'm black, because I'm whatever. Mm -hmm. Is it, Those little things, I mean, that's allyship, mm -hmm. knowing not to do that. If somebody does that to say, oh no, it's your horse, right? Are you riding? Mm -hmm. or are you eating this weekend. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we have. We have the little pins we, we gave for the first members. We have the C pins or whatever. They're mm -hmm. on the, they're on the lapel. And if you're having problems with anybody at an event, find one of us, come and talk to us. Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll help you. We'll do whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. And then it expanded to, well, 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 why just end in that? Why not promote? Why not have grants? Why not do scholarships yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff? What money? But anyway, it's, we've got some very good supporters and very good people behind us now. We do the ever so sweet scholarship that twice a year, it's biannual, fully all expenses paid for a 
the young rider on a professional's pathway uh, that we call it that wants to, I mean, we're basically at the end of this all trying to expand eventing, trying to expand horse sports, but particularly mm -hmm. eventing because most of us are eventers, mm -hmm. um, grow it. This yeah. is a whole huge group of people that are underserved by our community. So how sure. do we, how does our community serve them better? So make it more accessible at grants. Sarah has somebody for two, two, two and a half months in the winter and then three months in the summer, generally speaking, all expenses, paid travel, everything else, housing, board, competition, and just all you do, it is a complete immersive. This mm -hmm. is what it's like to be in the horse world. This is what you need mm -hmm. to do. We are on, we are taking applications. Sorry, there's Doug. There's a dog. For our fourth, for our fourth renewal of it. Um, Amazing. And then it has grown from there in that Ashley Johnson is offering a long weekend this winter at her place mm. in December. Same thing. Come and stay, work, uh, learn, whatever, for the that long weekend in December. Mm. And then we just, they're doing the big Barnstable educational yeah, yeah. long format three-day event. Well, we have... Uh, we're taking two spots that we'll take applications for, for that. The same thing, the week is paid for. Oh, um, wow. And everything else to be able to go down and participate is one of the exactly. biggest, one of, one of the biggest problems. And this is for everybody is the expense of the sport and how to get in and how to make it, how to make it available. But it's a fascinating conversation with somebody that was on the committee or the board. I forget which discussion I was having on why this is an important thing. He said, well, well, it's expensive. The sport is expensive. That's the problem. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin or your, your cultural background. And I'm like, okay, so your daughter doesn't want to ride or your daughter wants to ride. What do you have to do? You have to drive her 10 minutes down the hill. They live here in this area. I'm like, there are literally 15 programs you could have them to in mm -hmm. 20 minutes, mm -hmm. right? A kid from Newark needs to, first of all, know that horses exist right? Mm -hmm. uh, ride a train, ride a bus, right? Get an mm -hmm. Uber, find a ride, do whatever to get to that barn to spend that same amount of time. So that needs to, we need to try and figure that out. Now there's a lot of, and I didn't realize how many community programs there are like Detroit Horsepower, Compton Cowboys, the big ones everybody hears about. But it is amazing how many cities and towns and not even, not even cities like rural communities that have programs like this that need support and need there there's saddle up and read, which I can't I can't remember the the young woman's name who did that. She got we were trying to help her and then Oprah heard about her and stepped in. But uh <laughs> so Oprah, Oprah did that. Well thanks Oprah, you get a car and you get a car. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it's it's great because she has a great program. She takes her ponies in a book and goes to places, sets a round pen up or whatever. Kids sit with the ponies, they read the ponies, they read around the thing and they just mm, they just amazing. I mean, who doesn't want more horses in more people's lives? They make things right. better. So, right. so that's, it's several problems. It's allyship making those of we white folk, we white privileged folk in mm -hmm. our sport more aware of why it's important. Mm -hmm. Not be like, oh, how long did it take you to get those braids in your hair? Um, mm -hmm. you, you, is that, is that, is that your horse or are you the groom? That right. thing, like, like what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and what mm -hmm. doesn't seem hurtful to us might mm -hmm. be very hurtful to somebody else. So mm -hmm. it's the whole walk in somebody else's shoes thing. Right. Um, and then the professionals pathway, try and, and open it up for more people of color to make a living. Yeah, it is to take the vow of poverty like the rest of us, but at least have the opportunity <laughs> to do it. Yeah, and, have and experience. to mm -hmm. provide access 
to those that maybe want to. So that's kind of a very wordy roundabout, not very succinct, but what we're trying to do, that's a little bit how we roll. Like we have these big ideas that like grab that one and go, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, but it works. And we have, like I said, Sarah and her owner, Edie Ramika are very involved. And then I'm working on a couple other angles with some people for some more fundraising and that sort of stuff because I mean, this all takes money. Yeah. Uh, getting the word out when you're small. We all have many other jobs that we're doing uh, and it's all volunteer. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, <laughs> I had one of one of the girls that helps us social media stuff had, she's done with college now, so she needs to get a real job, which, okay, whatever. But uh, <laughs> they, she used me as a reference because I'm the CEO of a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> So get this reference and and was talking and it was clearly a young man that owned a, another social media type company or what have you. And I'm like, look, you can't have her for all the time. You need to give her a little bit of room for us or what have you, because she's really good at what she does. But uh, he's like, she'll, she'll have time. Don't worry. So anyway, it was, it was very nice. And, uh, and so it's been great. I've met a lot of interesting and nice people and the longer you're in it and doing it, doing the work, the more it's like, oh my God, like I say to see when we first got started and there a whole bunch of stuff flew up and I was creating the end of eventing as it was, I was going to ruin the sport by, Oh, Oh, trust me. You would not believe the things that I, really Oh, Nate, I can't, I, I cannot even I'm shocked. There was so much pushback. Yeah. That's another yeah. podcast. Yeah. That's a whole thing. <laughs> suffice it to say, uh, Heather, the ruination of eventing Gillette was going to bring the whole thing mm. down. That's a um, big middle name. Mm. Yeah, it's a big middle name. It's, it's <laughs> a, you know, that's a, you want to talk about a heavy thing to carry, but it uh, turns out they were wrong. So yay. But uh, yeah, but uh, it, it was a lot. So, and that was like in my first six months of doing any sort mm. of EI work, even when it was cool. And I said to Stacy, I'm, I'm like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Right. Like you must be exhausted. I can't believe this is, this is what you've been struggling against for ever. Like you go to horse shows. She said, I go to horse shows. Yeah, I worry about, I, I literally worry about being safe at night by myself because mm-hmm. one of the places that she goes, there's routinely swastikas it, spray oh painted. Oh my God. Yeah, right. Yep. Uh-huh. So Boogaloo Boys are work at another place or used to, I don't think they do anymore. Racists. Mm-hmm. work at some of the horse the horse shows as as either staff on some of the park grounds or whatever and it's like I don't particularly worry about being safe at the horse show when I show up I'm there later I show up early I mean, it could be because I have three pit bulls too but uh, anyway <laughs> that, that, so, but uh, that's not something uh, I don't worry because of the color of my skin kind mm-hmm. of thing like that is a that is a prevailing thought all the time right and that's right. just I said I'm at the ball Christ, I'm so sorry. I will do everything yeah. I can to try and make it better. So, yeah. so here we go. Yeah, it's so. pretty, pretty unbelievable. Well, I think the, I mean, even just in this short time talking about it, I think it, the the light that needs to come on is just the awareness that you're talking about. I mean, I think there's there's just so much. I don't know what the opposite of being an ally is. Well, I'm not even the opposite, but just like no, it's, it's it's the it's, unawareness. In consideration is the wrong word too, but it's just yeah. like it not even occurring to people okay. that this is a thing that, that it is. I mean, I literally had people say, wait, this is a thing. I didn't know that yeah. this is a thing. Yeah. And, and, and I think in inventing some of it is we've been, I mean, forever, 
horse sports have been very open to people's sexuality choices, right? You can mm. be gay, you can be straight, yeah. whatever. So everybody thinks it's very open and inclusive. Mm. And mm-hmm. when the whole, when some of this all blew up, I mean, I, I have a friend, uh, uh, a lesbian friend who said that she's like, she's like, it never even occurred to me because I have always felt so included here. That's interesting. That, right. That, mm. that somebody doesn't, she's like, and that breaks my heart. Mm. Like, I didn't even, I didn't even know because mm. I just assumed. And that's mm. the thing. There's so much assuming going on and not enough listening. And that's right. when some of the, the things that have blown up in our sport over the past couple of years have come up. It's just for lack of listening. Mm. Just shut up. Just yeah. shut up and listen. I mean, just mm. like, just like you do with a horse who's got a problem. You just, you got to listen to what they're, they're telling you. It's, it's no... It's no mm-hmm. different. For whatever reason, we can relate it to our horses. We can't relate it to other people. Yeah. And I think that that is something we can all do better. Mm. That's going to be your t-shirt. Shut up and listen. <laughs> you can wear that across all of your 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 different jobs. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Don't you wear that black, shirt please. everywhere. It does. No. It really, yeah. really Very does. Good. Yeah. A hat, jacket, the whole thing. What do you think, Maggie? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, this has just been an, an an amazing conversation. This was I knew I knew we were going to have a fun chat, but we've hit on so many different topics, and it's been so interesting to shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Yeah, yes, I, yes. yeah, it's good. It is good. It's not it's not that hard sometimes. I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> no, I think I think I think the horses are lucky to have you. The sport's lucky to have you, and we really appreciate everything you're doing. And hopefully here through our listeners, we can kind of uh, broaden that even more. And hopefully some of it will circle back around and and help in all different avenues. So I can't thank you enough. And your puppy, your puppy, sneaking up there to say hello. That can be the next thing. You can do a pit bull rescue. Yay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just when you get bored. I already am, actually. So anyway. <laughs> 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 well, thank you so much for having me on and listening to me talk about all, all the various things. But well, that, well, good that. stuff. And we'll see you either with a helmet on or a TD's hat on or a judge's hat or something. So. Just all right. Being all being judgy. All right. Thanks, Heather. All right. Take care. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Before you go, I just want to let you know more about Ride IQ. At its core, Ride IQ gives everyone access to instruction from the best equestrian coaches in the world. It might sound impossible, but with Ride IQ, you get access to the private mobile app that has hundreds of on-demand, listen-while-you-ride audio lessons taught by top riders and coaches in eventing, hunter jumpers, and dressage. Here's how it works. You look through the app and choose a lesson based on your horse or a skill you're working on. There are lessons for green off-the-track thoroughbreds and nervous horses horses and horses that are behind the leg, as well as lessons that teach every stage of skills like shoulder in or trot lengthenings. Then you tack up and press play and you have a top coach like Doug Payne or Leslie Law or Gina Smith in your ear guiding you every step of the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, it is always appreciated if you can take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and family and leave a review on your podcast app. The best way to support the podcast is to become a Ride IQ member at ride-iq.com. 
And when you do, we hope you're excited to see that In Stride is just one of multiple podcast shows on the app, including hack chats, conversations with coaches, and more. And lastly, I wanted to let you know that our friends over at Major League Eventing also have a podcast. And if you enjoyed this show, I think you would also really enjoy their show. Just search for the Major League Eventing podcast in your podcast app and give it a listen. 